Welcome back, everyone, to the Shuriken Podcast. I'm Rudy. Hey, and I'm Sheldon, the founder and CEO of Shuriken. And we're here for some more tasty tidbits of what's going on in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Have that back that backdrop tastiness. So, what is tastier than having a wallet full of cash? You're right. You're right. A wallet full of Ethereum. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, how do we even get that wallet? Where does it come from? It's digital. How do I yeah. know it's mine? It's not in my back pocket. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's cryptography. <laughs> cryptography. <laughs> A topic of everything in crypto. Where it comes from. Crypto, cryptography, cryptocurrency. And we're going to go over exactly what it means to have a wallet, how it's generated, what it means to you, some tips on keeping it safe, and different ways of generating a wallet. And my first experience with a wallet was back in 2013-ish. You had to actually download the whole blockchain application on your computer, wait hours or days to synchronize, generate a wallet on that, and keep that safe. Nowadays, it's a lot easier, much easier. And we can uh, go right into a classic example of you know, hardware versus software wallets and what it means to use like a MetaMask. I think that's a popular one. And kind of maybe what centralized exchanges do with your wallets. So before we get into all that, Sheldon, yep. how the hell is a wallet even made? Yeah, a very, very great question. Just because that's like the backbone of what we're actually doing in the crypto space. Um, the kind of the, the very, very start of it is that uh, on your computer or on your physical hardware device, if you have a hardware wallet, what it does, it generates a private key. Right, so it creates based on the randomness in that device or actually on your computer, basically generates a private key, and then it's able to take a set of 12 to 18 to 24 words and map it back to that actual private key. So now you as a person get shown a screen that you've probably seen before if you're into the crypto space, where it shows you, let's say 12 or 24 words that you have to write down. And once you write those words down, it kind of tests you again to make sure, just make sure you have the correct combination of those words. Because those words are actually, those words called the seed phrase, are used to generate the private key. And the private key is kind of the safe part that actually is used to create your address. Private keys are gen used as like kind of the basis of the address that you see on the Ethereum blockchain or, or Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah, exactly. That's why people and different companies like Coinbase or MetaMask or whatever other wallets you're using are so adamant on keeping your seed phrase safe and secure yeah. and not accessible to anyone but you. Because if mm -hmm. anyone gets access to that, they get access to everything. There's mm -hmm. no going back. There's no recovering. They stole your funds, all of it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like if you have a house, right? Like if you have like keys, actual physical keys to your house, if you lost them on the street and someone finds those keys, they now have access to your home. In the case of a house, you can actually change your locks. But in the case of cryptocurrency, Ethereum, Bitcoin, blockchains, um, you can't actually change the lock because it relates to one specific house or one specific like private key in that case. So that's you have to be very, very secure with your keys. Yep. And the best you can do is if someone does find it, you'll probably only know if they take everything from you. But if for some reason you have a suspicion you're compromised, if you're able to get to your wallet and send 
everything off into a different wallet that you've created. Mm -hmm. That's the best way you can do it. So yeah, sure. now that we see that there's a seed phrase that's generating private key, which is what your public keys are derived of. So mm -hmm. how is that linked? So how does the public key that I can share with everyone, how's that okay to share, but not the private key? Yeah, because um, there's a certain like cryptographic principle where the private key can generate a public key. So something you can show to people, but people can't actually reverse. They can't go from the public key back to the private key. And so if you see in like Ethereum, for example, um, you see a string of like um, letters, the hexadecimal letters and numbers. Um, that's about like 42 characters long. It starts with zero X typically, so zero X and then some 40 strings of like um, letters and numbers. Um, mm -hmm. That's typically what you can actually show to people just because they don't actually have access to the funds, but they know where they can send the funds to, right? So in the case of Ethereum, the way that um, the public key is generated is based on a certain hashing algorithm. It takes the public key and it hashes it. It basically applies some type of transformation on that um, private key. And out comes a number, or out comes a, a hexadecimal number in that 4D key public key that people can use to, to send assets to. And every time I share that key where people can send their Ethereum to or whatever mm -hmm. they want to to that address, and then I would have control over it. And every time I sign a transaction, what is happening in that step where the private key is telling the public key that? Or, or what is actually happening? What is what is happening to <laughs> approve a transaction? What wallet is talking to what? Yeah, so the, the the signing process is really just you proving ownership of that particular address, right? So if I, Sheldon, want to send you, Rudy, again, in the previous last week's episode, I think I said five um, Ethereum, five Ether. Um, if I want to send you five Ether, I basically have to prove that I, Sheldon, have control over the address that says there's five Ether balance in it. And so what happens is that like I use my private key and I do this process called signing, where essentially I take the private key and I take the action that I want to take. So for example, in the case of me moving money, that's a transfer. I want to send you five ether. I take those two things, the action and the private key, and I hash those. So basically I, again, apply a transformation, apply a operation, mathematical operation on that data to produce um, what's called the transaction hash. And that hash basically can say that I, Sheldon, I approve this action to occur. And you can show that with this transaction hash, that this address, um, this transaction hash can only be generated by the person who controls this particular address. And that's how it could typically you can actually prove ownership of that action. And then once I send that transaction to a miner, as we learned last week, to add that transaction into a block, that's then how I can actually prove that I own it. And then I actually want to take that action. And it's an important point to remember is that you are showing proof that you own that public key, that yeah. you're allowing this transaction. The thing is, since it's a blockchain, everything is public, meaning that public key is public, not just to you, but to the world. You can go on websites like Etherscan, type in a public key and see every transaction that key has ever made. The thing is, you know, blockchain is pseudo anonymous, meaning it's partially anonymous. So that public key, nobody nobody knows that you probably own it. But as soon as I share that public key to somebody, now that person knows my entire history. So mm -hmm. when I'm doing transactions, it's important to keep that in mind, folks, that use an address that you do not mind 
exposing to your friends, yeah. family, or the world. Like, choose your parties. It's just a good safety standard. And there are new protocols that's on the way for more privacy-focused mm-hmm. transactions, meaning you can create transactions publicly, but no one can actually see how much you own or have. They can just computationally prove that you have done a transaction and you do have the amounts that you're promising. Um, but that's a whole other episode too. So <laughs> some more safety tips though. So there's things I keep hearing like cold and hot wallets. Yeah. What are the differences between those? Yeah. So a hot wallet is kind of be thought of as something that's connected to the internet or it's on a device that's connected to the internet. Right. So in the case of MetaMask, if you've downloaded the MetaMask browser extension, so that's something that sits in your browser, whether that's Chrome, Brave, um, Safari, you have a browser, little Fox icon that sits in your browser. Browser, You can click on that and that shows an address, a wallet. And that's typically referred to as a hot wallet because it's something that's connected to a device that's connected to the internet and it's very easily accessible. But there's also devices that are also unconnected or disconnected. So like there's Ledger, there's a famous company that produces a, a USB style stick, like a USB size stick. Another company called Trezor um, produces a kind of a bigger square device that is also um, disconnected from the internet. But the private keys in both of the Ledger and the Trezor case are physically stuck to the device. So they actually can't be transitioned. Uh, we've actually come to learn that that's actually not technically true, but like the details of it is that like the physical device is the one that holds the private keys, not a, not a device that's actually connected to the internet all the time. Exactly. And, and that... Yeah, and that, and that point is to, important to remember. The private key lives on the device and can leave your device with the authorization of yourself saying, I want this key off a device and into a program, which is a, something called a social recovery program. This is another thing. So we're talking about don't lose your keys. If you lose it, you're done for forever. There's no chance of getting it back. Well, there are people building out interesting services where they have social recovery, meaning I trust Sheldon. I trust my brother. I'm going to give both of them part access to my wallet. Neither of them can actually do anything with my wallet individually, but if they work together, they can actually move my funds for me in case I ever lose my crypto. Uh, crypto wallets it's something you definitely want to keep with trusted parties you don't want to do social recovery people that are you kind of skeptical about ledger's case was they had a a trusted party to uh, where you can hand in like you show your id and you get your uh, private key back if you ever need it if you lost it that's the case we're talking about technically it can be moved off of but the security element is that when you have your ledger in your hand, it needs to be plugged into your computer physically or through a Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. There's many Harbor wallets out there, folks, by the way. These aren't the only examples. There's Grid Plus. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, uh, I forgot them all, but there's too many to even name. There's a lot of them out there that you can use for yourself. So you find the one that's most suitable for what your comfort level is. But you have to actually press a button on the physical device to say, I approve and sign this transaction. Whereas in Hot Wallet, it's just, button on your laptop and mm-hmm. give us a rundown on like those safety securities about that with malicious attackers. Yeah, for sure. So like um, in the case of MetaMask, 
uh, one possible attack vector, some way you can actually get hacked, is that um, if you download malicious code onto your computer, um, the actual um, uh, malicious code that's on your computer can actually read your MetaMask extension. And that way they'd have the private keys and they can move the assets, just the fact that they're on your computer. But in the case of like a hardware or a cold wallet, a cold storage wallet, um, it can actually download external software without the actual company who produced that software approving it. So for example, right in the case of Ledger, no new software can get onto that physical device without Ledger, the company actually approving it. Or no new, for the case of um, Trezor, no new company, no other company or entity can act, get access to the physical device without Trezor approving it, right? So um, in both those scenarios, the kind of security is based on the fact that no additional software can get onto that device without the company itself approving it. And the company itself doesn't have access to your private keys, but they have the kind of right to block any other third-party software from getting access to the device. It's kind of a way to secure yourself from getting access to it. And the funny thing is that like, you can actually take a hardware wallet, you can actually get the private keys, or you can get the seed phrase from the hardware wallet. If you put the, that seed phrase into a MetaMask, <laughs> technically you've just made your hardware device <laughs> a hot wallet <laughs> just because now it's in a MetaMask. And so now you have basically two different places where that those keys are stored. Um, that's what you have to key and kind of keep the, the keys separated and stored in different places. That's so <laughs> that's an important thing to remember too, because your seed phrase is not um, something that's on the, de it's on the device, but it doesn't necessarily live on the device. It lives on the blockchain. Therefore mm -hmm. your recovery phrase or private key is generated by a device. Yeah, but you can plug that into any wallet, and that's where you can give access to your uh, get access to your wallet again, your public keys. So my ledger can create a software a so um, recovery phrase. I can plug it into MetaMask, and then they both have access to it, like Sheldon said. So <laughs> it's 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 a blockchain thing, and it all lives on the blockchain. That's why it's super secure. You can actually generate a private uh, key, memorize all the words throw out all your devices and you are completely secure because as long as you have it in your head, you can access it again through any other wallet. Yeah. What's actually kind of a funny thing is that um, you could actually like have um, the 12 or 24 words generated. You can write those words down or you can actually get a tattoo of them on your body. And if you make sure you like, delete, <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> if you like delete the actual digital reference of that, you now have a completely cold wallet that is not connected to anything because now it's just really just those 12 words that are on a piece of paper or tattooed to your body. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be like a, a moving private key. <laughs> exactly. Because like, I remember there, like you could create paper wallets, which would be the yeah. way to generate a wallet, but completely offline, never connect to the blockchain, but due to the cryptography of it, it's a valid wallet they can use. And then it will sync with the blockchain as soon as you do some type of transaction online. And also, I'm sure people have heard before, not your keys, not your crypto. Yeah. This is when we speak about centralized exchanges like Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini, Binance. They are exchanges that hold your wallets. They hold your private keys. They are the ultimate owner of your funds, just like a bank. Yeah. And if they want to pause your transactions, they can. If they want to, to get hacked and someone removes their, uh, move, moves your funds, that can happen too. Or if, like FTX situation, 
it's not crypto's fault. It's actually crypto is very much pro keeping your keys for yourself on your own devices. Centralized exchanges are useful for people who are who seen who think this is uh, maybe a technical challenge to keep your own crypto on your own device, but the host it for you, you can use it there. Rel- relatively safe, I would say. Trusted exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken, but and they have their own security measures of trying to keep it as safe as possible. But there is no higher level of safety than at this current moment than to having a hardware wallet that you need to physically have in your possession to confirm transactions. Even if the hacker gets access to your computer and sees how much sees your ledger live uh, application on your computer and tries to siphon out all your funds, they can't do anything because that device is needed to confirm a transaction. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of new technology coming out to make kind of the user experience easier. Like, for example, in the sugarcane context, uh, we're building ways in which people can actually log in with the email and still have a private key, public key pair that we, the company, actually doesn't, we don't control or anything like that. Um, and so those allow you to actually um, still sign transactions without actually having to need to remember a 12-word phrase or have to actually write that down or have to deal with any of the complexity there. Um, but again, right now, it's like, for the most part, hardware wallets are pretty much the gold standard for safety. Paper wallets also a kind of gold standard, but less, cl- much more clunky. Um, again, there's more technology coming out to make that whole process easier as well. Exactly. And yep. you know, as we come out with the Sugarcane app, it's going to be, I feel like, a happy medium between you owning your own keys, but yet having yep. the ease of access everywhere. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, awesome. That's and again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. So yeah. remember, everyone. Keep your wallet safe, mm-hmm. private, public key. Do not share private, secure that somewhere safe. Never share it. Public, yep. public key is what you can share. And you want to do your best to make sure you have complete and sole access to that private key. Mm-hmm. See you, we'll see you next week, everyone. All right, see you, see you. <laughs>